So uh, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, 
I think basically my bottom line is doing the right thing is always the right thing. There's no other way to do it. Um, I think that when you come to being ethical versus business, it's very hard because, well, it's, it's hard, but it's also, it has to make sense. And so in order for it to make sense for businesses, you have to draw a line somewhere. So my main focus today is to not focus on the negative aspects. I mean, we can debate all day about this company's doing this and is that good or bad? You know, there's multiple ways that you can look at it, but I think being progressive as a company, as a person, uh, whether you're a human, whether you're a business, that is what is really important. That's what's gonna move the future generation. And I think that's what uh, I'm really focused on <coughs> from my career standpoint. I mean, I can't compare to these two established you know, very impressive people next to me, but you know, for my path, that's what I'm highly focused on, is being able to help our generation move on, move forward, and really become and be in charge of what our future looks like. Businesses, and I 
guys I can ask this question. How many of you would like to be employed by a business that has really good, sound environmental ethics? And that's, that's the other part of this piece, is that, that companies can sustain and maintain the employees better if they're doing a good job in that realm. Um, I came at this from an educational perspective. I was a teacher for decades. And uh, when I was doing that and had an opportunity to retire, I really felt I couldn't walk away from the students that I loved and cared for because the environment was really had some challenging times in terms of climate and resource depletion and, and, and those type of issues. And so I got involved in clean energy um, because it solved so many of those issues. But I think that the the conflict for me is that with renewable energy, so such as large-scale solar, the business opportunity to save a lot of money is really good. But internally, I feel like the reason that it should be done is because of the ethical issues and maintaining a world for the future of you know students or kids that, that I could be associated with. Um, so, so ethics are really important. I was talking to some fourth graders, and I know you guys might identify with this. Just last week, <coughs> I was asked to come up with some things that fourth graders could do that would be meaningful. And I thought about changing light bulbs. It seems pretty simple. And so I did some research, and if you change three 60-watt light bulbs and change them out for LED light bulbs, so you're going from 50 watts to 6 watts, um, how much impact does that make? Well, when kids are thinking, they're thinking that they're small and they're not going to be able to do much. And I think that there's, a, there's an old Chinese proverb, act like everything you do is law. And so when you figure out your LED saving, it comes out that over five years you save like $50 and you save 700 pounds of CO2. So that sounds pretty good. But then I continued it and we have 116 million residences in the United States. And if every residence in the United States swapped out three incandescent light bulbs for the LEDs, we would reduce our carbon emissions by about 70 billion pounds of CO2 a year. And we would save $6.5 billion and as an educator and a student. Oftentimes when the calculation gives you a number that doesn't make sense, maybe it is. You just check your math. So I did the numbers again. Yep, $6 billion. I did the numbers again. $6 billion. So when we're talking about you know, being good to the environment, reducing carbon footprint, you know, buying palm oil to, uh, you know, fair trade. All of those things have big global ramifications. And I think that that's really important. Um, and, and I'm gonna just share a real quick story here. I was at another university, another university, I don't know if you heard of it. Um, at the Mazova School of Business, based out of New York City. And I was sitting there for lunch and this chief came up and sat down Sure, that'd be great. And, and so in the course of the conversation, I said, why don't you think people are doing anything about climate change? Why is it that Europe is excited about it, moving forward, China, India, are doing all these great things? Why hasn't it caught on in the United States? And he said, it's not personal in the United States. We're good at reading graphs and charts. 
We understand carbon output. Um, but in the Middle East and in Europe itself, they actually have personal impacts of climate change. You know, the, the whole Middle East situation now is exacerbated by drought. Iraq used to be the breadbasket, and it is no more. Syria used to have lots of food. It does not anymore. These are sustained droughts. When people get hungry, they get meals. And um, she said, you have to find out ways to make it personal. So if you look at some of these famous after being in a forest that just burned, you know, and they lost all their belongings and feet of soot and tears on their face, if you see that, it's a personal connection. And if you see uh, somebody that's trying to move from Syria to another place that has food and shelter, and you see the, the anguish on their face, that becomes personal. And, I, and I, that really had a, it resonated with me to make this whole quest. When we talk about ethics, we're doing to our fellow humans very, very big things. And we can do the good or bad. And so if what we do, we act like everything we do is lost. Like throw a piece of paper out, multiply that by 320 million pieces of aluminum. If I pick up an aluminum can, think of 320 million people picking up an aluminum can. And if I'm nice to somebody I don't even know, think of 320 million acts of kindness to people we don't even know. So personally, our ethics, the way we conduct our lives, lives is really, really important. And, and I think this whole sustainability movement has a, a very important personal and ethical thing. And by the way, the person that I was sitting next to was Archbishop Auger, who is the Holy See of the Vatican, and he's pushing the United Nations, trying to help them understand how moral and ethical moves to take a better stand. So, um, you know, I, I really agree with what he just said, but I also think that, you know, we should all not be uh, naive about what business is and how businesses operate, and especially publicly traded companies. You know, it's very much driven on profitability. I mean, nobody can operate without money, no matter who you are. Uh, that's just the reality of the marketplace, okay? So... Like, yes, we should be doing all these things. I think everybody is in this room today because we agree on all those things, but we also have to be realistic about what the market dictates and, you know, consumerism and especially America. I mean, I can't speak for uh, other countries, but just what I've observed uh, here in this country is we are very much uh, driven uh, by what is convenient and what is the lowest cost and, 
what is convenient, you know? So things like Amazon have taken over um, brick and mortar stores because it's much more convenient for us. Uh, and so we're not looking into all the different details. Um, in terms of like how to answer your question, Cassie, which is a really good question, it's a very fine balance, you know? You have to balance yourself between capitalism and being an environmentalist. Uh, you know, I define myself as an eco-capitalist because again, if you can't convince companies to start making those initial baby steps, they're never gonna do it. You know, so that's always been my approach is like, okay, let's just focus on what you can do instead of what you can't do. Uh, let's just start there and then work our way up. And then they start to see the cost benefits of being able to, you know, throw away less, save money on their garbage bill, recycle more, and then teach them how to sell those materials instead of throwing it away. It's a win-win situation for both sides of the party. So, I mean, that makes both economic sense and environmental sense. And so that's what I mean by eco-capitalistic approach. I think that's why I've been able to uh, work with the companies that I have for the amount of time that I have. And I think that technology is very much gonna play the biggest factor in all of this over the next five, 10 years uh, that we all sit here. Technology is changing faster than it ever has been in the last 20 years. I mean, how many people in this room remember a time when there wasn't the internet? Probably only us, <laughs> exactly. Nobody else raised their hands because you guys don't even know what that was like. But that's a reality. I mean, that was real uh, beforehand and it's not anymore. So like we have to adjust to that because no matter what we all wanna think and do, that's the reality of the marketplace, that's the reality of the situation we're in right now. So let's utilize that to help make change. That's how I feel. to focus on next quarter's profitability statement. I mean, and that's just the reality. It's not saying that I agree with it, but it's, it is real. Right, it's like the, the mixture of languages. I like that. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. Well, I, I could have a real short answer and just say ditto, because <laughs> you really nailed it, Susan. That's, that's absolutely correct. Uh, I guess the additional factor that I would say is if you go back 10 to 15 years, it really was a different because at that time, sustainability was just kind of being something that kicked around and discussed. I think the defining moment uh, where we're right now, if you just take a look at any of the annual reports of any of these large Fortune 500 companies, if you open that up, and again, if you go back to Asian times, when I was a baby, uh, they would only report financials. That would be all of the benefits. If you look at those It's a common theme. And why has that changed? I mean, again, I gotta give it to you, Susan, you nailed it. It's a function of, because now it makes sense from a profitability perspective, because one, their shareholders say, you need to do this. And then 
see uh, the consumers or the end users of their products are the main ones that use them. So that's what really changes everything around the encapsulation society. It's no longer viewed as something that these two people that came to Infos to run around and have these ideas. It's viewed as just as important for you to have your financials, you need to have what are your consumer facing metrics. Changes everything completely. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of where we are now, is we're in a, a, in a society where large companies realize it. I mean, we do a lot with United. And I'm sure uh, many of you, if you can flip through and you can take a look at some of the great things that United has done. Uh, it, and it's again, it's, it's, it's not because they're just nice people. They know that at the end of the day, their consumers, people that are gonna make a decision, do I fly United or another airline? One of their factors going into that is they wanna believe or they wanna feel that United has taken those extra steps to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. So I guess I can't emphasize enough that you in sitting out in the audience as essentially perhaps shareholders and certainly as consumers you're the ones that make the difference because you put pressure on those companies and you put pressures on those boards and make them aware that they need to make changes. One additional thing to throw out there is if there's the profitability factor and then there's also, let's say, the regulatory legislative factor. It makes a huge difference in the society that we're in is that you make it known to your legislature that, for example, hey, we favor, we like because at the end of the day, your voters, <laughs> your taxpayers, and your most importantly, your voters do. So as a result, they will respond and pass some of those regulations. Uh, you may recall that it was called the, the nuclear bill that went through here in December and the, uh, the legislature here was able to go in, but it also contains a lot of solar and a lot of renewable stuff. So it's again a great example of that wouldn't have happened if there isn't an awareness by the legislations, legislators that their that their people believe that this is something to move forward with. So uh, again, I, I almost I kind of point it back to everyone in the audience and beyond. It's because of your belief, your work, your interaction with legislators, your interactions and in, in making purchasing decisions and in de deciding which stock you're going to hold that has completely changed this landscape in what I can only call, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago. And I don't mean to interrupt in between, but uh, I have a very proud moment that happened to us uh, last year or the year before where our approach was so successful we actually made it into one of those reports for a Fortune 500 company. And that was a very exciting moment for us because we were able to achieve both sides of that. So that was, that was exciting. Thank you. Yes, actually you were asking about language. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was talking to a uh, person a couple of nights ago, it's amazing what the internet can do. There was a national conference with 100 participants breaking down in small groups. And the person that I ended up talking to was a Republican from Dallas, Texas that had worked for Exxon for many years. And we were talking about language and how do you find a common language? And, and when you want to move toward the green goal, if you get caught up 
in the, let's say, in the ultimate um, goal, uh, like reduce CO2. And you have somebody that doesn't think about that. They think about corporate sustainability, the bottom line, wanting to save money. Their perspective is that, you know, putting solar panels on is way too expensive. Um, you're not going to go very far if you start talking about the end goal. It's much more important, and this is something that I just learned this week, and I've been trying to learn all my life. But they said, find out the value that that person has that's motivating their position, because it's probably the same. And so what you do, instead of entering a conversation, and I'm saying, you know, I want you to turn off all the lights all the time, and they're saying, well, we're just trying to, you know, reduce our electric bills and people are too busy to turn off the lights, rather than in, 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 engage in that. Say, well, I, I think that saving money as a corporation is really important because if you are economically viable, you're going to be around for a long time. And you build on that until you're both on the same page of how do you keep a company in business for a long time. And then you can start talking about, well, ways to save money to you know, like putting solar panels on your roof. That actually is going to add to the bottom line, and it really doesn't have to cost you any money up front. And your employers and employees are going to be more uh, uh, sustainable and stay with your company longer. But that conversation never comes around until after you've got a common value conversation in place. And that is something I just learned. guys already know, but, but to find that value that drives their decisions and then build on it, then you're going to be able to have a good footing to, uh, to move forward. And that's what, um, you know, working with businesses, what we always try to do is set incremental goals and early successes early in because that buy-in, that initial buy-in when you're trying to transform a company uh, or trying to help them as they succeed early, that initial win is so important to help drive that momentum and drive those Techniques do your organizations use, program models, uh, different choices 
kind of what do you do? How do you how do you do that to turn it into a great experience? Sure. Well, I I think I can sum it up in one really simple word, and it's mind. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that mind runs everything, and I hate to be, you know, realistic like that, but it's true. And I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm saying this to be realistic for you know, how companies have to operate, how everybody has to operate. I mean, you have to be financially incentivized or viable for you to live your life. I mean, nobody's gonna go work for a company for free and starve and be homeless. Same thing with the corporations. And so, you know, that's where I've really had to shift my perspective from when I first started eight years ago, where it was really about, you know, trying to do the right thing but as I've learned with working with these very large companies, you have to approach them and incentivize them with, with the dollars. You know, Show them economic benefits, help them take those baby steps in that process, and then what I've done more recently and what we're really starting to focus more on now is technology and show them how to tell that story after they make the effort to go towards zero waste or something of that nature of how to take that story and then be able to translate that or tell that story on social media to get PR value on top of the cost savings value as well as the profitability value uh, that you can add by taking materials out of your waste stream, uh, saving money that way, then learning how to sell those materials uh, on the recycling commodity marketplace and then be able to tell that zero waste story from a PR, a Facebook and Instagram a Snapchat perspective. Um, and speaking of Snapchat, everybody should Snapchat it up today because we have a big contest. Somebody in this room is gonna walk away with $50 because it's the best uh, Snapchat picture with filter on it. Um, but, and the reason I emphasize that is not to just self-plug myself. It's really because Snapchat is how to get in touch with the millennials. Your generation is the generation that's gonna decide what the next 10, 20 years of our outcome uh, happens. We're on this very interesting teetering standpoint where millennials are on their way up and the next generation is kind of on their way out. And so I really feel strongly that it's up to us on how to balance this and how to make that sort of teeter in the right direction. And I don't mean that in any no, disrespectful no, way. I, I always say when I talk with students, I want you all to be very, very successful because I'm more retired than this. Yeah, and, and you're good. Like, and I want Social Security in place. We're not going to have that. So you guys, uh, please, be extremely successful with where it is. It's very helpful to both of you. Know, so, uh, you know, that's, that's one comment. But I also kind of laugh a little bit because um, after you ask that question, I almost feel like it's Help to look at. It was originally designed. What can you do in the 
sustainability concept, reducing electricity use, reducing water use, the whole game. So one of the things that helped, and that I'll just come out and say, obviously we are very worried about whether it will continue with the current changes at the federal level, we're monitoring that very closely, is that uh, it's provided an incredible amount of value to companies. So uh, I always tell the story of there was a company that we worked with down in southern Illinois who, believe it or not, situation I just talked about, how you 
so that helps to reduce your, your cost by being more sustainable. But now there's another top-line impact, which is if now you can position your product as being lean or sustainable, a lot of times now you can increase your market share. So you're not only reducing your, uh, your cost, but you're increasing your revenue because you're able to prom promote your product in certain ways. So it, it, it really actually is a deal where it helps you on both ends and, and can really help you to grow your business. So, yeah. yeah, what I've had to learn is that, you know, my opening statement is I'm not some tree-hugging hippie. I'm an eco-capitalist, and that typically gets their attention right away because you have to. If you don't, you're done. Yeah. And I think, you know, education is a big component of this. Watching and saying, you know, doing this is, is uh, something that actually is going to help your bottom line ultimately. So one other thing I try to do, too, is just uh, engage in the concept of we're trying to do this more as a team. So when I work with schools, there's three schools on the edge of all putting large-scale solar in, and I'm trying to say to them, if you guys all three do this together and you have a contract with one company, you can bring that pi price point down just a little bit more. And that would help everyone. And, and we're all in this together, and I think it would be a great educational story to do this as a, um, more than just a single entity doing this, uh, and growing a team. provided money for a long time, um, but they, they now are focusing on net zero schools, which is really exciting, net zero buildings. Um, I've worked with some architects that are actually finding that it doesn't cost much more at all, if at all, to design a smart building, be a southern exposure, lots of north-facing lights that are actually um, insulated panels that have an R value of R15. stuff is on the north side, so you have this power production on the south side of the building. Um, and it's really, really exciting. And um, actually, a week from today, no, a week from yesterday, I'm going to be presenting at the Illinois School Board officials meeting about how schools can be a, uh, an educational tool to help students understand uh, what the latest, best uh, practices are and take their time. exciting thing for solar is that even though we don't have the grants available that were there three years ago, the price of solar has significantly dropped, and now the price of solar without grants is cheaper 
and there's a lot of drifting. And, um, and so that's kind of an exciting thing. And, and scale of production brings costs down. Um, also, there's scale for installation brings costs down. And I'm on the side of tools. I'm not interested in, in selling tools that are financially strapped. Very expensive solar systems. And there are companies out there um, that will sell a long-term contract that saves the schools just a few cents. And, and I'd rather have the school get a bond of 2%, save 10% a year on their electricity bills for the same amount of money, and they're coming out ahead at ground zero. And, and so, um, so I, I try to, to work for the best prices and, and get each school, school team together and, and also with a lot of the students because I think it's important for uh, students at high school Something for you, we think about, and 
allowing you to reapproach it. Kind of considering that business case and thinking about what's the low-hanging fruit, or maybe that whole low-hanging fruit has gone, and now it's a little bit tougher to get that business case in place. But you've got to have the business case in order to make it happen. How much does location have to do with that? I'm just not sure. It has a huge factor. So coming from California, and if you go to the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, their website, any renewable, they have maps of the U.S. And it's very simple. It's like yellow, red, green, something like that. Where yellow is, this is fantastic. California, Arizona makes a lot of profitable sense. Texas could do this. Frankly, we're a green area. We're not all that great because we don't get as much sun as they do in California. So that becomes a critical factor to take a look at. The second biggest thing is if you look at what's the cost per acre here. I mean, this is some of the richest land in the world. And compared to going out to a western Texas in the panhandle where not much anything grows, hey, there you put in some solar panels. There's not a whole lot of stuff going on. Here you're taking corn and soybeans out of production. Again, run the numbers. Give me that corn and soybeans. It's really interesting here in this community and in central Illinois as well. There's been a community purchasing program. They run through the city of Urbana and get Midwest Renewable Energy Association there. They've offered solar panels to homeowners and small businesses here locally at a lower price point because it was that through purchasing kind of power agreement. So they were able to get the equipment at a lower cost because they were getting these X number of megawatts installed in our community with solar. So I think that that's really interesting. I would love to see that sort of thing happen with large businesses. And I do – there are examples of it. But I would love to see community businesses maybe above 5,000 square feet who conduct some sort of program like that too. And I know in Boston there's a company that's doing that right now. But that would be really innovative. One of the companies we work with is the Libman company, and they actually installed a huge portion of their rooftop to solar panels, which I thought was above and beyond for them. Even if we're in a green zone, for them to go above and beyond and do that I just thought was phenomenal of them as a forward-thinking company. I'm very proud of them for that. Awesome, awesome. Well, I want to leave a little bit of time for questions here from you all. So one final word from each of you, if you would be willing to share, since we are here to talk about sustainability in businesses but also inspiring some students to explore sustainability, I guess what would be the one piece of advice you would give to students as they are seeking to explore sustainability in their majors, in their careers, from your experience? Whoever wants to go first. Well, I'll go first. So I came into this business world from an educational standpoint. And the neat thing is that sustainability does save money in the long run. And if you come at it into this career path with both an understanding of the environmental impacts of different things but also have a good foundation in business finance so that you can make the economic case, so that you can show the spreadsheets. And I've become a master spreadsheet maker from just since I entered this because I've been doing it for 30 years. So I think that's the biggest thing. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
people want to know, well, in three years, where am I going to be? In five years, um, 10 years, how long does it think I'm going to live? Okay, 30 years, what's it going to be then? And if you can do lifetime savings and things of that kind, it, uh, it is really, really important. And businesses are creating this as a position that they need somebody to help do the uh, steer the company in the right direction. It's extremely dynamic. Automation is changing all the time. And to have somebody that's focused on keeping up with that is a, is a substantial job. And so businesses are now making that career uh, slot in their employment area. And if you have a business background and an environmental background together, um, that's a powerful tool. I'll let you go now. I'm going to take this one now. Those were both great. Um, could you repeat the question one more time? Sure. Just to get me uh, back on that. Yeah, one piece of advice for uh, students would be continue their career exploration and possibilities, uh, be they majors or focuses or just 
Yeah, so to answer that question, and I think it's very interesting because I think you are all in a very interesting uh, place right now in your lives. And I think it's very much up to our generation to take that next step to be able to make those right decisions. Unfortunately, I think a lot of infrastructure that's in place currently is providing a lot of red tape to prevent us from really being able to do what needs to happen. And you know, you have to play the game to win. Um, I think it's very realistic, but I think you know, technology and the internet is our one tool that we understand better than any other generation and can utilize better than any other generation to really push these important topics forward. I am so heavily focused right now on emerging technologies because these are the things that are really going to dictate the future outcomes for our generation. Things like, you know, not to get into a political discussion, but like social security, all these other things may or may not be around by the time we are all 65 and ready to retire, okay? So that's up for debate, we don't know. So I think, you know, and we've run a really successful internship program at the U of I for many years, and one of the most common things I see, and even going around the room before we even started talking to some of you and understanding that you're just not clear right now on where you wanna go with your life because, you know, a lot of you have been told, like, if you take this path, this path, this path, this will be your outcome, that's not necessarily going to be the case anymore. And to accept that reality is tough, but it's real. And I think it's important for all of us to be able to accept that early on and then be able to utilize technology uh, to push forward uh, the things that are really important. And I wanna see everybody in this room succeed. I think it's very important for our generation to stand up and really be able to take control of these things, but also understand the parameters and the red tape that is involved that you kind of have to jump through in order to be heard. I agree, and I also think it's great to um, think too, you know, as with the red tape, is how can we work within systems to remove those barriers and to use leverage the knowledge and expertise that you've gained to do that. So thank you. Well, before we take questions, I just want to thank our Take a Snapchat of the room really quick, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, keep talking. Thank you for your input, your feedback. Um, I think it was extremely uh, awesome discussion and I'm excited for your questions. So first question.
does that make you feel, first of all? How does it make everybody else feel? What? Same? Yeah? Unanimous? So what is the one tool that we have that our voices can be heard? I'm sorry, did somebody say the internet? Social media, what? I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. No, you're not kidding at all. No? Um, the one theme that I have running through all of my presentations to whomever is it's growing the team. I mean, we're all on this planet together. You guys are way more powerful than we think. You can reach the world through your internet and phones. Um, that's really, really important. Um, if Trump is half the businessman he likes to think of himself to be, uh, he will quickly realize that the reason the coal industry is in such bad shape is renewables and wind are cheaper, period. The reason we have two nuclear power plants in the state of Illinois in trouble is that nuclear, or I'm, uh, solar and wind are cheaper. And natural gas is coming on strong, which is a better, but not ideal, energy source than coal. When we're talking about financing, there's not a single bank that's going to give any money to anybody that wants to build a coal plant. It's done. And um, I talked to Congressman Gold about this. We're exporting $1.5 billion a year to Wyoming to buy coal from them. That means the Illinois economy is bleeding $1.5 billion a year. We're in a great wind regime here. PJM is the grid that connects the Midwest, specifically the Chicago areas, to the East Coast. We could grow wind power from the state of Illinois and sell it to the East Coast. If we did that, we'd be employing people locally, we'd be increasing our manufacturing here, we'd have a sustainable career path. We have 225,000 people employed in clean energy today, we have 25,000 people employed in coal. And if you ask anybody in a coal mine, would you rather stay down in the dark and get black lung disease or come up and see the light? And we'll help train you in that transition most of us
Menschen mit euch folgte. Buße, Buße, Bach, Übung von Demon Worship Danable, Interpreting, absolutely not. There are, as you know, we're brought up before, there are factors in the marketplace that are happening. It's not like all of a sudden, oh gosh, we're going to stop using all renewables and we're going to go to fossil because we feel they're God. No, that's definitely not the situation. The market
So, again, what I would caution is don't freak out. Don't think the sky is going to fall. Um, things are going to change, but still, don't, it's, it's not like all of a sudden we're going to go back to the 1950s. The trains left the station. It's not going to reverse itself. Um, you know, what we talked about, the differences in or in coal that's been coming in use in Hawk offline, why that is, is it, there's a reason why it, you know, you know, most of the plant service is bringing uh, coal from the Powder uh, River Basin. But again, when you start looking at that and start running the numbers, um, it, you know, it's becoming more and more attractive to go down the road of renewables. And no policy regulation So I guess my number one goal today is to be able to add as much value to you guys as possible. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm devoting my Saturday to be here. I kind of want to reverse engineer the situation of your initial question, and do you feel like your, uh, your question was satisfying? Okay. And... How does everybody else kind of feel? I mean, is there a way that we can like raise hands or not raise hands, whether we agree or not agree? Again, I just want to kind of open it up to see what everybody else is thinking in the room. Agreed, not agreed, kind of, sort of. What's that? Like where she's at, you know, she asked a question, she got answers, she was kind of satisfied with that answer, but also had additional questions with it. So I think what your question is, is uh, how do we act locally? Or not how do we act locally, but how do we inspire change? It as individuals or as groups of students or groups making money? How do you individually impact it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and is that, and I think what she Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Okay. Like, is that everybody else's concern? How many are concerned about the path, the new path the country might be taking environmentally? If you don't raise your hand, that's okay. Um, <laughs> the best analogy I've heard, which I think is appropriate, is that we, we've changed the bus driver. Uh, we have a new bus driver that has his own ideas in terms of where he thinks America should go. But America being the bus, there's so much physics already happening in terms of its trajectory and where it's going that even though you have a new guy at the wheel going like this, the bus is going to keep on rolling. And I think we've had over several hundred businesses this last week just sent a letter uh, to, to President Trump saying that this direction is not in our best economic vision. And so we have them raising their voice. I think it's extremely critical that all of you realize that your bodies are very important. Um, and by that I mean you may have to show up someplace. Um, the women's rally the day after the inauguration, 
big mess and why was it big bodies were there and, and Kevin the woman in the back room was like a huge part of that okay. women's rally well that's that's wonderful congratulations Just so you know the, the funny thing is for me is I went to Washington I told my wife ahead of time I'm going to Washington in a month she goes why I said the Pope's going to be there she laughed and uh why are you going there? And I said, I want to show the capital that this message that he's bringing is important. And so social media does land pages. And, and things, when they go viral, that's really important. Um, and communication you can all have, that's important too. But I, I think that 70% of Americans really appreciate a clean environment, don't want to see
Good job. Well, yeah, anyway, there's a discussion. And they're funny. Yeah, they just act like a bunch of different things. Well, and yeah. It's so important. I think it's really important. More than it was two months ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. We took a lot for granted. I try not to get involved. Do you insult? I go to school hard. I go to school hard. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, no, I just think it's interesting. What's going on? Really great. I think you see also in, in a little bit of a different light. Which is why it made it perfect. Yeah. That's why. I, that's why I love it. I mean, I, I hope next year we can almost do it Facebook Live style, so like we can do more of a bigger conversation outside of this room. Sure. But understanding your perspective versus your perspective versus my perspective versus the audience's perspective. That's what's gonna make theater, uh, you know, propel things in one direction or another. Yeah. That was the thing last. The Ashley Conference, you know, a hundred people, and next thing I know, I'm in a chat room with the guy from Exxon Publishing, and we're talking about, um, you know, climate and these values. And one of the big things is it doesn't matter if you believe in human cause or not. We do know CO2 is going up. We do know that it's trapping heat. So whatever we can do to reduce that, whether we cause it or it's a volcano someplace starting. <laughs> That takes a whole conversation out of the way of being effective at this time. The, the, the big problem that I, I have with the whole thing is that it's just it's just like we've got to get started. Yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't it doesn't matter if it's the marketplace or the right. like right. that's all that matters. Right. And what I agree with that on hundred percent. I think what I would love you to really talk to is are you is are you on one side or are you on the other? Just like get over it.
don't do it. Don't say, don't use the word monetary. I don't use the word monetary. I'm still going to be out in the field to your customers. Mm-hmm. I'm just not using those words. Mm-hmm. And I look at it. If I'm a pragmatic business leader, mm-hmm. it's going to go with the flow. And then you're changing the dialogue. And I'm changing the dialogue. And the thing that concerns me, I'm going to have to learn. And the thing that concerns me is that there's all this stigma about every little thing. Just like, you know, for a few minutes, you know, oh, yeah. uh, but then also, 